When you're pregnant, you start reading about the cost of having a baby. When you start reading about the cost of having a baby, you learn about the cost of sending that baby to college and immediately start saving all your money in a 529 plan. When you save all your money in a 529 plan, you save no money in your 401k, thinking your son will get a business degree from Harvard and take care of you in retirement. When you think your son will take care of you in retirement, he changes majors and gets a degree in jazz studies. When he gets a degree in jazz studies, he moves back home with you and you have to support him. When you have to support him, you don't get to retire. Don't be forced to work through retirement to support your jazz-loving adult son. Stop investing without a plan and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. It always cracks me up when I play that particular segment. I've got young, unmarried gentlemen on the show. I wonder that if- first little smack and the baby crying, their eyes get big as saucers and they look scared to death. <laughs> I got to tell you, you guys both uh, looked at each other like, oh, my God, what's that noise? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, glad you maintain your seats. Uh, you're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Nick Antonucci, Jacob Keene, and Buster Bruton. Uh, if you guys have questions for us, we always love to hear them. You can call our question hotline, 1-855-429-9166. You can email us at drgene@hensler.com. That is spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Uh, you can also call and talk to a human being. Uh, the way the question hotline, let me back up a little bit. The way the question hotline works, you call in, you get a recording, you leave your message, uh, including your question, uh, your name or some way to identify if we could. Uh, we play your recorded question on the air and follow it with our answer. Uh, but if you prefer to talk to a human being, our uh, normal line is 770-429-9166. You can talk to our show producer who will get us the question and uh, we will make sure we get it answered on the air. So, guys, when we last talked, Nick, uh, you bit on a bit of a story about international and the fact that... Yeah, uh, it, was, it was really driven by... You know, we read a lot of these forecasts as we come to the end of the year, start a new year. Sure. Um, and something surprised me is this really, op- I guess, relatively optimistic outlook on international markets. And I'm just not sold on it. Um, well, this is the same that it was last year, right? Yeah. It's it's like this argument that, okay, valuations relatively look cheap. I agree with that, right? But they did last year, and how'd that work out? Exactly. Not well. So just because valuations look good doesn't guarantee it to be a great investment. And I, I just, you know, you talked about where you would invest internationally, you didn't mention Europe. And that's not somewhere I would want to be either, or China. Like you look at Surely Europe, they're, they're coming, they're coming, you know, towards the end of their stimulus program, as we talked about in the previous segment. Sure. Um, so you're going to have tightening in Europe. You have declining GDP, so slowing growth. Tightening while we're declining. Yeah. I mean, you've had the GDP growth slow in every quarter this year. Seems like we, what we did in the U.S. just last month, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, you have the bre- the uncertainty of the Brexit. So I, I well, not just that. Think, it's like the existential threat of like, is does the euro actually work? I think <laughs> they're going to make well, it as as, as brutal as possible what, for the U.K. to leave because they don't want everyone. Oh, if you you got decent terms for your exit, now everyone else is going to want to yeah right want to jump like, ship. It's like clockwork that there's some sort of debt crisis in in the European Union, like Always. every two years. Always. 
Now well, we're, we're talking following about Italy. The rules like they should. Yeah. Well, I, I think if you're talking foreign developed markets, you can make an argument for Japan. Japan's always just low inflation, low growth, yep. typically strong currency. You, you know what you're getting. Low inflation, <laughs> you know, no growth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what you're getting, but a little bit of diversification. And and I think EM, emerging markets, can succeed at, at, at some point in the near future, but I would avoid China and well, it seems Southeast like, Asia. We have- I mean, Completely. if you look at China GDP growth, it's around 6.5%, but even that was questionable in their last report, yeah. right? And and that's still where I am. It's it's hard for me to trust the Chinese, to be honest with you. Well, they've got a they've got a system that's so so leveraged. It's just it feels right. kind of like a ticking time bomb. I mean, it 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 gets tiresome because we talked about the ghost cities and how they, sure. they, they're basically manufacturing growth with their centrally planned economy. But you can't have 300 uh, percent debt to GDP and have 60 million empty condos. Yeah, much of that and, debt and to survive. And, and when when Trump's basically putting the screws to them, it's it, it kind of it's it's like tides going out. Yeah. What, what are you well, guys going to do? And, and the. Uh, a lot of the leverage that you're talking about is is on a personal level, right? When did we see that in the U.S.? Well, that that's 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 the thing with China is is when when they when they buy these in, the investment properties, right? They they don't have the same amount of leverage as we do. I mean, right. They're There's putting like 50, like 60, 70 percent down on the properties. Well, I know there's social. It's it's more at the too. it's more at the municipal level, more at the government level because they do have a centrally planned economy. So. But, if the property, what I see as a property bubble ever does burst, then it could be ugly. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to be there. Well, talking <laughs> about leverage, the reason I bring it up is the leverage in the U.S. is different. Uh, what we've seen lately is all these companies, and, and they've been enticed by low interest rates for quite a long time to borrow more money and buy back shares. Yeah. Which leads us to kind of a, a valuation conundrum. Well, uh, something that we've looked at for a little while. Yeah. Right? And there's something that's been happening lately, and I, I might be, might be uh, saying this every time, every time I get a chance. But credit spreads have widened. Yeah. If you look at the corporate bond market, it's getting a, a little bit dicier. And and to your point with valuations, I mean, we we look we look at PEs, right, guys? Well, and that's that's really the big one. It's the one that everybody looks at most of the time if you're looking at valuation for a company. Yeah, and it, you you look at that and you're like, well, there's nothing wrong with this picture. Yeah, it's, look, it's oh, we got relatively close oh, we to got, the 16.5 PE yeah, that is on three percent GDP average. growth, solid, strong yeah. economy. What's wrong? What's, what's wrong with that? Well, one of the problems is kind of what you alluded to. You got the buyback engine. You got cheap credit. That's inflated profit margins, and you also have wages that haven't really risen in real terms until very recently. So. Businesses are have been keeping all their profits and not really uh, passing those along to their employees. So what we have is profit margins that are higher than they've ever been. So we've, we've got a couple other things that we look at to kind of ground that valuation. So we look at price to EBITDA, which is kind of like a cash flow measure. You can't yeah, really engineer that. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's and a you proxy. Can't. And, yeah. and same thing, you can't do that with sales either. Yeah, and price to sales. And and one of the scariest things that we look at uh, is th- both those measures are elevated in, in a way that they were if you go back to the tech bubble. If you just look at two or three months ago, 
the price to EBITDA was at least at tech bubble levels. Uh, Same thing two, three months ago, price to sales, very near the the, uh, tech bubble valuations. So you've got PE that looks good, price to EBITDA, price to sales that look scary. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth is probably somewhere in between. Now, we're not saying that corporations have actually cheated and lied. What they've done is, is what we would call it, I think, is probably engineering, financial engineering. Um, but, you know, it benefits them, makes their target a whole lot easier to hit. So, you know, just think about this. Instead of uh, using your, your retained earnings, you go out and borrow money and you buy back your shares. Now and with, have, with money as cheap as it was, yeah, it's, it made yeah, sense. I mean, it's the easiest way to grow earnings, right? Uh, you don't have to actually have to grow earnings. Yeah. All you have to do is maintain. You go across the board. Look and you at get IBM. Fewer. Yeah, it's a per share measure. Price per share divided by earnings per share. And if you've got fewer shares and the price maintains where it was and your earnings because they're divided by fewer shares grow, you've you've made your uh, your PE still look pretty attractive, right? Right. right. So um, it's it's uh, one of those things. We're not crying foul on the company. What we're crying is, uh, hey, you better watch out. Valuations measured by the PE are not the whole story here. And you know, we we'll talk about this in the final segment. But you know, we can use this data and look at you know price ratios, valuations, and make some sort of, you know, educated guess as to what returns may be like in the future. Right. And that's something that we do internally and kind of make some assumptions about what, what we can expect in the years ahead. And, you know, it's it's not necessarily going to be that 10% you hit every single year as you, as you saw last year. Yeah. And, and you know, when uh, one of the things that's made us nervous for quite a few months now, in fact, we've been talking about it since last January, is uh, is the fact that the economy uh, numbers have looked really really good for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, at some point, you get to the to the to the uh, situation where you say, "How does this get better again?" Right. I well, mean, we juiced it. How does <laughs> we it? Did. And now I'll tell you what. Uh, now <laughs> I, I, I see gear. some things that are finally like, okay, you, we have we have some big uncertainties right now. So. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, Last segment, we talked about valuation and how it looks much different. PE versus price to EBITDA versus price to sales. And um, we do some projections based on those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got a model or two. And uh, not only that, well, I mean, we're looking at economic conditions, which, like we said, we get a little nervous when it looks too good to, to grow. Right. Um, and it's been there a few months, but... Uh, you know, the, the conditions have still stayed fundamentally sound. They've been okay until recently we started seeing some PMI numbers. So that goes into the equation here, too. But if you just run some regression models that we've got, um, if you only use PE, looks like the model would indicate this is a hard number. You know, we usually use a range, but uh, probably an 8% growth in 2019 for the S&P 500. Um you look at the fundamentals and you start questioning that a little bit, right? Yeah. But the difference, and I think really what we want to focus on here is the difference. Uh, and and this kind of makes the point we were trying to make in our last segment. You look at price to EBITDA, 
looking for about a 1.2% loss. You look at price to sales, about a 1.5% loss. So we've got two signals that, like we said, look more similar to uh, tech bubble days that are telling us that the market might be down in 2019. You look at, um, you know, the, the fundamental that everybody wants to focus on, which we think's been manipulated a little bit. I won't, uh, manipulate is probably a strong word. Companies have taken advantage of cheap money to lower their cost of capital, to make their companies look as if their yeah. earnings have grown by more than what they might have grown just by lowering the number of shares. Sure. Um, I mean, it is the CFO's job, in my opinion, to make the cost of capital as low as they can. Now, how you get to that, um, I guess, is debatable. Uh, some, I've had professors tell me that uh, a company should borrow money until the next dollar they borrow would have to be under a junk rating by S&P right. To me, that's a little excessive. Uh, most companies don't do that. The reason being, as they borrow more money, the cost of bankruptcy actually starts creeping into their weighted average cost of capital, and their debt becomes more expensive. So you can't borrow as a triple A, well, put it like this, you can't borrow as a triple B rated company at the same rate you can borrow as a triple A rated company, right? Triple A being the absolute best, triple B being kind of on the verge of whether or not it's investment grade or speculative, speculative grade. So, um, you know, the, the, I think the well, big point is we've got two signals that are telling us that we might have a loss in 2019. we got another signal telling us 8%, which, by the way, is lower than that long-term average we talked about. And I think it's all about setting expectations. You know, look where yeah. we've come from. We're two months out of being 10 years from the bottom of the market, right, in 2009. Yep. So you can't, you can't reasonably expect that every year – you can attain that 10% long-term By the way, return on equities. The annualized return since the bottom of the market, what, 16.68% yeah, so, annualized. And, and I think a lot of people, nobody likes to see you know, their, their balances drop, you know, their stocks lose value. But I, I had a client stop in last week and, and just talking to him, and at least from his perspective, he's like, listen, I, kn I knew it wasn't going to continue forever. And I think you have to set those expectations for yourself as sure you've loved to, to see every year your your account balance go up, but the reality is that's not gonna happen forever. No. So you need to set your expectations for lesser gains. You know, yeah. we had a year last year where we lost four percent. Well, let's right. talk about from our last market top, which would have been October ninth, two thousand seven. From that point we lost fifty two percent in the market in seven and eight, right? down to the bottom of the market yeah. at 39009. I just gave you kind of a pie-in-the-sky number. That's just on the recovery from the recession, 16% plus annualized number return. I mean, this is not where we are right now. But you go to the top of the previous market and look at that number. It's somewhere around 6.45, so just slightly less than 6.5% annualized return over a period that you know, had some ugly stuff in the middle of it, right? Um, what will happen next? Uh, I believe, given the signals that I'm seeing, that we're likely to have a recession, especially this inversion of the yield curve. This stuff gets kind of scary if you're a 
market watcher like the three of us are, Buster, you too. Um, you know, so so you get in a spot where uh, where you start looking at economic conditions, showing a little bit of tatters. Uh, they had been perfect. Employment situation still solid. Uh, many of the numbers in there are still pretty good. Uh, GDP did the final uh, tally for third quarter did step down to what three point four yeah. from three point yeah. five as initial. Um, well, you guys got some bad. I mean, yeah. just a quick whip around. You know, the 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 main hits that I that I take as far as economy goes. Consumer still strong. Yep. Activity levels. You, we mentioned PMIs are tailing off a little bit. It's still expansionary, so well. Consumer, let me make a nothing point worrisome on that before there. Before you get too far away, uh, consumer uh, earnings growth is like 3.1 percent. Yep. Economic growth 2.1 percent. The consumer feels well strong. Yeah. I mean, sure. why wouldn't you be strong? Strong. You got 3.7 percent unemployment. Everybody's got a job, and wages are growing faster than inflation. What's not to love right now? Right. Uh, you know, I'll say one thing and let you kind of wrap it up here, Jacob. If if the the past month has really caused you to reevaluate your situation and caused you serious concerns, you need to look at your how you're invested your situation. You know, we follow the ten year rule here, but if if you're younger and and you don't like to stomach, you know, a lot of the the volatility you've seen in the markets, maybe it's time to rethink. I thought I was an aggressive investor, but this isn't for me. I'd like to kind of you know tone it back a little bit. And the so, way you tone back is you you buy stocks and sectors that have long-term pers- perspectives like utilities, staples, healthcare, or you buy bonds. Mm-hmm. Any of those will take volatility out of your portfolio. Jacob, sorry I stepped on you. Go for it, man. No, I think the the last thing I would say is there's there's been very few occasions where over a 10-year period um, equi- uh, bonds beat out equity. So if you're looking at these expected returns, which is kind of what we're talking about, is they're going to be lower. They're going to be closer to bond-like if you're looking at the next 10 years. I wouldn't um, disagree with that. Um, I guess that's it. But if you look at the equity market, there are plenty. We talk about the market as a whole, but there's stocks out there that are cheap. So yeah. it's a stock picker's market. No doubt. Yep. Go out and do your homework. Don't invest without it. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll be back next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.